It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simi, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing the latest transfer reports with regards to the Arsenal. And as always, it seems to be the case every single day, there is more and more and more and more news, if you like, doing the rounds with regards to Arsenal's prospective transfer targets. Now, of course, it's going to be a really difficult summer for Arsenal. I think we've all established that, you know, we're going to have to be a bit creative in the transfer market. It might be a little bit underwhelming uh, by the end of it, because simply because I don't think that the Cronkies are going to put their hands in their pockets and make the kind of investment that we so desperately need to close the gap between ourselves and the top four. Um, you know, we, we kind of hope that we'd be able to recuperate a fair amount of money over the course of this transfer window in order to strengthen that team. But it looks as though, and it's looking increasingly more likely, that we're actually going to fall quite short of what many people predicted Arsenal would be able to bring in during this window. Now, at the top of the show, I just want to bring to you guys the update that has obviously uh, been doing the rounds today, uh, which is with regards to Granite Xhaka. Now, we've spoken at length about Granite Xhaka and about the possibility of Granite Xhaka leaving, what that would mean, etc., etc. I'm not going to go on about it again. Um, my feelings on Granite Xhaka are pretty clear. Um, I think that the decision to sell somebody like Granite Xhaka for what we're being told is 18 to 20 million euros is a terrible decision from a business perspective. I understand he has two years remaining on his contract. But when you think about what it's going to cost Arsenal to replace him, they're essentially going to have to double that fee that's coming in to replace him. Even if it's Ruben Neves that comes in the door, you're talking about 35, 40 million pounds for him. And that Granite Xhaka fee that we're being told is, is, uh, is, is pretty accurate. Is not even half of that. So the investment has to come. Um, it's as simple as that. Otherwise, I can see this being a really, really underwhelming summer. I've got to be honest. Um, so the, the latest report from Chris Wheatley says that Granit Xhaka has agreed a five-year contract with Roma. Now, for a player of 28 years old, that would have been a really big appeal for Granit Xhaka. To be fair to him, though, he is someone who's kept himself in good shape, very rarely, um, very rarely breaks down with injuries. And, you know, you probably could go that little bit longer in the Italian Serie A because the pace is a little bit slower and somebody in Granit Xhaka's role can probably get by. You know, Granit Xhaka's not renowned for being quick and, and mobile anyway. So if that was to kind of wane a little bit, you'd still feel that he could, um, you know, he could he could offer something. So I think it's a really good signing for Roma. I really, really do. Um for Arsenal, you know, it was the end of the line for Granit Xhaka. He obviously had that incident with the, the fans. And from then on, it's really been an uphill battle for Granit Xhaka. It feels like his good performances get completely 
uh, overlooked and his bad performances get um, blown into a, uh, you know, blown out of proportion and, and made into a bigger deal than they actually are. So I understand why he wants to go. I understand why the club want to part ways with him. I'm just a little bit, if I'm honest, disappointed with the fee. But tough market, tough market at the moment. Another player that Arsenal are being linked with bringing in is the Swedish forward Alexander Isak. Now, is it Isak, Isaac? If there's anyone Swedish in the chat, please let me know. I know we've got some Swedish followers. Um, so if you guys are there, let me know uh, how I pronounce that. Is it Alexander Isak, Isak? I'm not 100% sure, uh, but we'll go with uh, with Alexander Isaac for now. Um, you know, let's let's have a look at him and and the Athletic have spoken about him this morning in one of their pieces. Uh, let me just bring it up so I can tell you exactly what was said. I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. Um, he said in the they said in the longer term, and this was written by James McNicholas today. Sweden forward Alexander Isaac is a player of interest. Although the 21-year-old belongs to Real Sociedad, the situation is complicated by the fact that Borussia Dortmund, of course, his previous club, retain a 30 million euro buyback clause on a player they sold to the La Liga side in 2019. Reports suggest that Real Sociedad hoped to pay a fee to get that clause scrapped. But should they do so, Isaac would become a more feasible target for Arsenal and other European clubs. Now, if you look at his statistics from the 2020-21 season, he had a pretty good season. 34 La Liga appearances in which he provided 17 goals, which is a really, really good return, uh, in my opinion. I think that he is someone who's got, obviously, a very, very bright future ahead of him. He's just 21 years old. Um, but you'd imagine that he's going to go for top, top dollar. And at this moment in time, as much as I like Alexander Izak, and I think that you know, in the medium term, Arsenal probably need to look at that striking area and that striker situation. I do think that, um, you know, right now it, it cannot be a priority. If Lacazette's going to remain at the club, if Aubameyang's going to remain at the club, then I don't think that could possibly be Arsenal's priority area right now. It's great to be linked with players of, of incredible talent. It would be great to get these players in at the club, but it just feels a little bit unrealistic at the moment. As we said, Dortmund have that option to buy him back for 30 million euros, and it looks as though they may well sell Jadon Sancho this summer. Negotiations have begun between Dortmund and Manchester United. And whilst Manchester United are yet to meet the asking price that Dortmund have set, uh, you feel like over the course of the summer, Manchester United are going to get there. They cannot afford to miss out on Sancho again. So um, Dortmund may have money to spend in the summer. Will they look at Alexander Isak and say, well, you know what, let's exercise that right right now. Um, will they look at leaving him there and, and looking to exercise that right a little bit further down the line. I don't know, but it just feels for me, like whilst this guy is a real talent and someone that, you know, people are waxing lyrical about all over the continent at the minute, it just feels like um, right now, it's not Arsenal's priority. The midfield has to be the area we're going to address, especially if Granit Xhaka is moving uh, away from the club, which is seemingly what's going to happen over the next few days by the looks of it. In other striker news, though, Arsenal are apparently, or apparently have, offered Eddie Nketiah a new contract. I find this one 
really, really strange. Um, I was certain that Eddie Nketiah was going to leave the club this summer. I was certain that Arsenal would make the decision that actually um, Eddie Nketiah isn't really at the level required and isn't really ever going to go on and push that boundary and become Arsenal's leading striker. You look at the club at the moment and you look at Alexander Lacazette, you look at um, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, both of whom at the time of recording are still with the club. Gabriel Martinelli is an option in that centre-forward position. You'd even probably prefer Nicola Pepe in there to Eddie Nketiah at the moment. And then when it was announced in April that Arsenal had uh, tied Foller and Balogun down to a new contract, the idea of keeping uh, Eddie Nketiah seemed absolutely crazy. Now, a couple of people have made a good point, and it's what the Athletic have reported, that Arsenal are looking to to give Eddie Nketiah that contract so that they can protect his value. But this is the reality of the situation, right? How much is that going to increase his value? And, and I think Arsenal are looking at this in this way. They've looked at Joe Willock, right, who was not getting a look in really in the first team at Arsenal not in the Premier League anyway, had a few opportunities, didn't really take them, went out on loan to Newcastle United, performed very well, scored goals, took his uh, stock to a whole new level. And now you're talking about Joe Willock as a potentially £20 million player. Are Arsenal thinking that if they secure Eddie Nketiah's future, send him out on loan, he performs on that loan, then somebody might come in and make an offer that makes much more business sense. But, you know, there's too many variables in that for me. So first of all, you need Eddie Nketiah to sign the contract. Eddie Nketiah, in my opinion, um, should think twice about signing that contract. Ordinarily, young striker brought up at Arsenal, you'd think, yeah, he'd buy it the chance to sign a new contract for Arsenal. But the Athletics report itself states that Eddie Nketiah may not sign that contract due to uncertainty over his future. And who would blame him? You know, he is in a position now where he's playing very little football. He needs to play more football in order to continue his development, in order to achieve uh, what he is capable of achieving. And I don't think for a minute Eddie Nketiah is an Arsenal-level striker, but I do think he's someone who could go on and have a decent career elsewhere. So going back to the whole idea of offering him the new contract and people kind of saying that it is to protect the value, I understand the theory of it. But for me, there are too many variables. So first of all, you're dependent on Eddie Nketiah accepting the contract. Second of all, you're dependent on the right club coming in and taking Eddie Nketiah on loan. He went to Leeds and that seemed like a really good move. And he probably learned quite a bit under Marcelo Bielsa in theory and on the training ground, but he didn't play enough football. And that's for a number of other reasons, which we won't go into now, but it, it didn't work out. So you could think you're sending him to the right club and it doesn't work out. In the event that he does go out on loan and doesn't live up to the bill, because let's face it, as, as good as Joe Willock did at Newcastle, none of us expected him to score seven or eight goals in the Premier League or whatever he did uh, during that run into the season. So you're, expe you're, you're asking Nketiah, first of all, to sign the contract and you have to rely on him doing that. Then you have to rely on finding the right suitors for him in terms of a loan club. Then you have to rely on Eddie Nketiah to perform at that club. And then you have to rely on someone to look at what Eddie Nketiah has done and say, right, we'll have a bit of that. We'll spend whatever amount to bring him. For me, at a time where we should be clearing out, where we should be stripping things back, it was always 
Balogun or Enketia. Arsenal Football Club had to make a decision, in my opinion, on one or the other. And when the contract was announced uh, for Balogun, it seemed to me like they'd made their mind up and Eddie Enketia was on his way off. So what I'm trying to say is, does the risk associated with giving him a new contract, which means obviously he'll get more salary and he'll be tied down, etc., outweigh the difference in money that Arsenal could get for Eddie Nketiah now with a year left on his contract or what they might get if all of those things fall into place and all of those variables um, work out as we hope. You know, I don't know. I don't know. And if it were me, I'd just be looking to get rid. I, I've got to be honest. I, I like the kid. I think he's enthusiastic. I think he's got a lot going for him, but I just don't think he's Arsenal level. And that's the reality, you know. So for me, I, I found it a strange decision. I think even the Athletic, uh, even James McNicholas, who wrote the piece, uh, described it as strange as well. And it just feels like odd management from the club. It feels like this is a decision being based or being driven by business interests. And I know we've called for Arsenal to be a little bit more shrewd and a little bit more business minded um, in, in some of the deals that they do. But it feels very... Uh, it feels like we've gone the complete opposite direction when actually what we probably need and want as a fan base is to be somewhere a little bit more in the middle. So I would sell Eddie Nketiah. That's, uh, that's my personal opinion on the matter. Let's talk a little bit about another player that Arsenal are being linked with. And I'm only bringing this one up again. I know it's been talked about over the last few days, but I'm bringing it up because it is uh, being reported uh, by The Athletic again. And they put a really uh, lengthy piece out on Arsenal's transfer plans this summer. So it's worth checking it out if you're subscribed to The Athletic. Uh, so they talk about Ruben Neves and that he is one of the targets um, and that Wolves would be willing to allow the player to leave if his £35 million valuation was met. But they go on to say that Arsenal are also, however, interested in Andalex Belgium under-21 international Albert Sambi Lokonga. And the club's analysts have tracked his progress for some time and he is on the list of summer targets. So it seems that Lokonga is not a new link. He is somebody that Arsenal have been eyeing up for a while. Uh, apparently, despite his young age, he's amassed a considerable amount of experience, making over 50 appearances over the past two seasons in the Belgian top flight. He's 21 years old and is regarded, in their words, as a multifunctional midfield player and an effective ball carrier. If Neves appears a direct replacement for Granit Xhaka, Lokonga's more dynamic style makes for a more natural comparison with last summer's signing, Thomas Partey. Uh, apparently, Lokonga earned his first call-up to the Belgian senior squad this March and is on their standby list for Euro 2020. He's attracting interest for, from AC Milan as well as another number of other European clubs. Nevertheless, he's likely to move for considerably lower, um, for a considerably lower fee, sorry, um, than uh, than Ruben Neves would cost. So could he be the second midfielder that Arsenal go for? It doesn't feel like he'll be the first one, uh, but Lokonga is an option, apparently. And this is exactly the type of signing I've been talking about. He's a player with the potential to go on and succeed. He's a player who represents, as I keep banging on, and those of you who listen to this regularly will know, he's a player who represents a low risk, but potentially high reward signing. So I'd look at Lokonga. I really would, but we still need another midfielder. I thought, personally, we needed two prior to Granit Xhaka leaving, prior to us having any knowledge of him potentially leaving. But now uh, I think we definitely, absolutely, categorically, at least need two. 
Guendouzi edging closer to that move uh, to Marseille, but still no uh, no announcement on that. And another player we're being linked with, just to quickly touch on this, is uh, Andre Onana, uh, the Ajax goalkeeper. If you cast your minds back to a few days ago, there were heavy reports that Arsenal were going to try and move uh, for Onana. But of course, Onana is awaiting uh, the decision on his appeal against a doping ban. Uh, and apparently, according to Chris Wheatley, which has just been tweeted out, what, three minutes ago, uh, he's said that um, Onana is uh, waiting for the outcome of that appeal within the next 48 hours. And he's told that there's an optimism a deal can be done with Arsenal this summer. Now, I think a deal is very much contingent on what happens with this doping ban. Will Andre Onana see it reduced? If he does, then I think Arsenal would be clever and wise to move in on a goalkeeper who's quite sought after across the continent. Um, and you could potentially then raise some money from moving on Bern Leno, who's been linked with a move away anyway. So let's see. Uh, let's see how that's going to go. But when we're talking about Onana, again, it's a transfer where the circumstances have helped us and we'll be in a position where we can bring in a potentially low risk or, or sorry, a low risk signing with a potentially very high ceiling and potential future sell on value. So this one would make sense for me. And I'd like to see Arsenal do this in the event that that doping ban is cut down. If the doping ban is not, then do Arsenal still do it on the cheap? Remember, Onana's Ajax contract runs out at the end of next season, and that's largely why they are very, very keen to move him on. So uh, let's see. Let's see how it goes. Right. That's about it in terms of things I wanted to discuss. Uh, just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, I did my first Euro 2020 daily stream this morning. Um, that was at 8.30 a.m., 8.15 a.m., something like that anyway. But it's the last video on the channel and it's the last podcast on the feed if you're listening via the audio. So please do check that out. A little bit different this time because, of course, there was no football to review. But the next one tomorrow morning, we'll be looking ahead to that opening game between Turkey and Italy, which should be a really, really good watch. And then uh, we'll be back on Monday with another show where we'll be looking back at the weekend's action. Might drop an extra episode looking ahead to the England-Croatia game as well if I get the chance. But plenty of Euros content to come along with uh, along with the Arsenal content. And listen, I know that those of you who listen or watch this podcast are Arsenal fans. And I know that the numbers on the Euro content are not going to be anywhere near uh, what they are on on the Arsenal stuff because I know that's what you guys come here for but if you could please support the Euros content I would be honestly so chuffed it would mean the world to me if you'd go over and check it out uh, smash the like button on the videos um, if you're listening via the audio download the episodes it really really does help the Chronicles of Iguna and it's uh, something that is a bit of fun but also to try and help us tick over over the course of this next month where I believe the transfer stuff might just quieten down ever so slightly because of the focus and, and the view being on the uh, on the European Championship. So any support over there, I'd be really, really grateful for. Get your questions in the live chat. Stick a cue at the beginning of them so I can pick them up. It makes it much, much easier for me when scrolling through the chat. Let's see where we are in terms of likes at the moment, how we doing. I can see there's over across the multiple platforms, 150 of you watching right now. We've only got 33 likes on the video though. So if we could take that up uh, to 70, um, 75, I think that'd be fair. Uh, we'd love to do that. So uh, yeah. Right. Get your questions in. 
smash the like button, subscribe to the channel if you're new. And if you wish to become a member, you can do so uh, by, of course, clicking on the link in the description. Big hello uh, to Matt G, one of our members who says, happy to support your Euro content, Harry. I'm actually looking forward to football again without having to think about Arsenal. Matt, you and me both, honestly, I, I love the Euros anyway. I love international tournaments anyway. I've got to be honest, I can't stand all the crap friendlies and the Nations League and all that. But when it comes to the Euros or the World Cup, I'm always buzzing and I'm I'm delighted. You know, we've got lovely weather here in the UK. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow evening, sticking the barbecue on, moving one of the TVs outside and sitting down to watch that big opener between Italy and Turkey. Right, let's go over to some of your questions. Uh, Liam Rushworth says, do you think we're moving to a three in midfield instead of two? Um, I'm not sure. Probably be in a better position to judge that when we see uh, how the transfer business ends up, when we understand exactly what it is that Mikel Arteta has done, then we'll be able to probably get a better understanding of that. But I think for now, I think the 4-2-3-1 is probably going to remain the go-to formation. I think it should remain the go-to formation because I think it's what's seen us play our best football last season. And I know it wasn't good by Arsenal standards, but you know what I mean. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, Anurag says, don't you think Sabitza would be a wiser option? Amazing player for £15 million. Yeah, there's there's a lot of talk about this about Marcel Sabitza being available on the cheap. Um, I really like the player, Austrian international. He'll be on show, of course, at the European Championships as well. Uh, 27 years old, valued by transfer market at around about uh, £37 million. But of course, his contract expires at RB Leipzig at the end of next season, which means they may uh, have to look to cash in on him this summer. I'd like Sabitza. I really, really would. But I think there'll be a queue of clubs, if I'm honest, uh, in line for Marcel Sabitza. And I'm not sure Arsenal would win that race necessarily. But yeah, really good player. Really, really like him. Uh, contributed eight goals in the Bundesliga last season, as well as four assists. Also capable of playing in a slightly more advanced role and uh, from the right-hand side as well. So yeah, really good player. Really like him. Uh, but I'm not sure Arsenal are actually in the race uh, in the race for, for him. Um... Ashton says, how much does the manager issues of our rivals help in our fight for the top six next season? It could it could be helpful. Um, you know, it, time will tell. But then you look at some some teams and you look at some managers and you can't write people off. You know, I mean, last season, how many people wrote Liverpool off and Jurgen Klopp was able to turn that around? And you look at Tottenham, you don't know how their managerial appointment is going to turn out. We're hearing now that they're in uh, in advanced talks with uh, Paolo Fonseca for Roma. And it's just so Spurs, isn't it, to uh, swap managers with Roma and underperforming Roma and come out worse off. I, I just don't get it. It's just so Spursy. And they almost threatened to act like a big club with the whole Antonio Conte thing, only to not meet his demands and literally bottle the whole thing and end up back to square one. So, um yeah, I mean, it could play a part, but, you know, there's a long way to go this summer and there'll be a lot of changes, not just with managers, but with transfers and with um, circumstances, et cetera, et cetera. And I think we've got to reserve judgment uh, for the time being on something like that. Uh, Ebby says, how long would you give Arteta next season to get things right? Um, it depends on what the fixtures are, right? You know, if if... Arsenal's first five fixtures are Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea, Tottenham and Man City. Then 
or you know, or we have something more realistic, like three of those teams in the first six, and we don't pick up as many points as we'd like, then I won't be jumping the gun. But equally, if we had a, a comfortable run of fixtures at the beginning of the season and didn't deliver, then the pressure would be on. I think it's a fluid thing. I think you've got to keep looking and keep watching and keep trying to measure where you're at and to try and block out the noise as well, because it's very easy to get sort of swayed by that, influenced by that. And if I think back to my reaction to us going out of the Europa League, a competition that I'd kind of pinned all my hopes on last season, I was very reactionary and I was really um, adamant that Mikel Arteta should go. And at that point, you know, that was how I felt. Moving forward, I've kind of softened my stance on that. And I feel like if Mikel Arteta was to have been sacked at that point, I wouldn't have argued it because I think that, you know, there was enough there for them to warrant that decision. But equally, they've made the decision to keep him on. And so we've got to see how that pans out. But look, a lot of my view on Mikel Arteta, a lot of the parameters on which I'll be judging him on starting next season are dependent on how well he's backed in this transfer window. Because that's key. We all know that the team's not good enough. We all know that the team needs improvement. Is there an argument that the team is better when better than where they finished last season? Of course, absolutely, 100% there is. But let's see what happens in the summer. If he's backed and he still fails to deliver, then yeah, give him the boot. But, you know, that will, dep- that will I guess, impact on, on how I judge things um, at the start of next season. Uh, Boris says, uh, thoughts about Tyler Adams and Baku. I, honestly, mate, I don't know a great deal about that, those two. So I will, um, I'll, I'll have a look into them and perhaps bring that, uh, up on a later podcast, but I've, I'll be lying to you and I don't want to pretend I know about stuff that I don't, um, if I'm honest, uh, we've had some more questions on the Sabitzer stuff. We've already kind of addressed that. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Sam says, do you feel we need another centre-back? The club apparently want a right centre-back when it feels we already have lots of centre-backs. Don't you think the money should be spent elsewhere? I think it's really, um, I think it really depends on um, on what William Saliba's future holds and whether Mikel Arteta feels he is ready and capable of stepping into that role. Um, you know, that will, that will be dependent, I think, on whether Arsenal go out and bring in another centre-back. But if Saliba is not judged to be ready and he is sent out on loan, that like is being reported by some some outlets, then then I wouldn't be comfortable going into the season with just Rob Holding there, no. Uh, and then in that case, I think we would need a centre-back. But for me, as I've maintained throughout the last couple of weeks, the centre of midfield and the full-back areas are the areas in which Arsenal need to focus their attention right now. Anything else is a bonus. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, Anubis says, so you're going back to my Arteta comments. So you're only going to judge a manager if he's got the players he likes. I never said that. Um, tactics in in-game management, of course. Uh, well, there is. Uh, what about tactics in in-game management? Of course, they play a part as well. But what I'm saying to you is, if Mikel Arteta, theoretically speaking, hypothetically speaking, got backed with a 150 million pound war chest this summer then obviously people are going to have less patience with him obviously people are going to look at that and go well you've had the investment you've had the backing now you have to deliver if we if the window carries on the way it's looking like it might where 
we're kind of scrounging here and there, trying to do a deal, trying to wheel and deal and trying to get things over the line. And we end up with an underwhelming transfer window. Then, you know, you can, um, you can give him a little bit more leeway. And listen, ultimately, without being in Europe, the pressure is on Mikel Arteta now with his tactics in in-game management. He's going to have plenty of time on the training ground with his players in between fixtures. And that ex- that's another excuse that he had last season that, in my opinion, goes out the window. Uh, let's pick up uh, one more before we lock it off. Liam Rushworth says, any news on Smith Rowe? Um, not at the moment, but it looks as though he, he is going to sign a new deal. That's the latest that we've heard, that, that we've read. It seems like that deal is, is very close to being done, of course. Um, no announcement has been made yet and, you know, nothing's done until it's done, as they say. But it does feel like that one is edging ever closer. So Emil Smith-Rowe is uh, looking as though he's going to sign a new deal with the Arsenal, which involves a pay increase, which he very much deserves. Um let me pick this one up. Uh, Michael says, uh, does the reactionary and confrontational nature of our fan base frustrate you? It really gets to me. I've got used to it now. Um, you know, when you do what I do and you put your opinions out in the public domain, there will be people that come back at you. And I don't mind people coming back at me with challenges or questions or, um, you know, or, or, or counter arguments to what I have to say. Um, the only thing that, that winds me up is when it's abusive because there's just no need for it. You can disagree with someone respectfully. I disagree with people all the time. Um, so it's the way in which it's done. But look, I'm, I'm lucky that on this channel, on this podcast, yeah, there are a couple of people I think that sometimes uh, get a bit carried away, but the majority of people do do that here um, respectfully. And, and that's what I love about the little community that we've got here. Right. I am going to leave it there. Um, and I will catch you all a little bit later on today with another stream. Don't forget to check out our Euros content. Last video, last podcast. Don't forget to get on there. Like, like, like. It really helps. And uh, I'll catch you all later on with some more Arsenal content. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Enjoy the sunshine. Take care. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.